You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in to the latest edition of the Hoist the Colors podcast. Just days away from the early signing period, National Signing Day, set to open on Wednesday, December 15th. I'm your host, Stephen Igo, the publisher of HoistTheColors.net. And really excited about this podcast. Obviously, we work all year round on 24-7 sports on Hoist the Colors on recruiting. And we got a ton of scoop for you on the message boards this weekend. Big official visit weekend for ECU football. Big official visit weekend for obviously every team across the country, but tons of scoop on the message board. Before we get started, before we dive into your questions, I wanted to first update you. If you're just a podcast listener, not a VIP subscriber, I highly recommend taking advantage of our 50% off deal now for new subscribers, for annual subscribers. And this is a, a, a deal where it will last through midnight on signing day, so from now until Wednesday at midnight, you'll have the opportunity to sign at 50% off our normal uh, price for a subscription, and this will take you through the completion of next football season right up to signing day next year. So tremendous value if you've been on the fence, haven't uh, yet made that that jump to subscribe. Also, for our current monthly subscribers, you can upgrade to annual for 50% off. So if you're monthly, you want to get a reduction in your long-term pricing, go ahead and make the jump to annual. Uh, and that way you don't have to worry about the monthly recurring bill. You pay a 50% off bill up front. Then you're with us for the long haul. And uh, then your wife doesn't have to ask you why $10, $10 is coming out of your checking account each month for a hoist of colors. And you can just pay it all up front. Uh, but not really excited about that deal. Of course, we ran a huge deal around Black Friday as well. So if you missed that, you want to get in on this one, definitely do that. It'll be up through Wednesday. Okay, tons of stuff to get to, guys. We got a ton of questions on the Hoisted Colors message board, also a few on Twitter as well. Um, and that will carry the most of the show as we got a lot of personnel to talk, a lot of transfer portal, a lot of recruiting. But we have to open with the big news of the last few days for the football team. Parker Moore, the West Virginia transfer, has committed to East Carolina. And just a huge transfer addition as we sit here in early December. You know, we said on many recent podcasts that one of the biggest items ECU football had to address going into the 2022 season to make that next leap from, hey, improving team to possible championship contender, you had to address the offensive line specifically you had to address offensive tackle and you had to increase the productivity and the consistency of your pass protection. Well, you go out and you get one of the best pass protecting offensive linemen on the early transfer market in Parker Moore. He is a Charlotte, North Carolina native out of Mallard Creek High School, spent three years in the West Virginia program. And you're not just getting a guy here who you know, was a one-time pretty big recruit. He's actually played and he's played significant snaps at West Virginia in the Big 12. So, you know, we've seen guys like Avery Jones, Justin Chase, Rob Vanderlyn come over as former transfers. None of those guys that have really ever played at their previous schools. Now you're getting a guy with legitimate experience, 
Uh, he, he's he's been in a college program. He's obviously weight trained at a high level. Been in a nutrition program. Going to his fourth year in college. So you're getting a guy who can step in and play. And he also has three years of eligibility remaining. And you know who knows if he'll take advantage of all those years. But he's got he could be a multiple year starter. He could be a three year starter. Looking at his past pro numbers from Pro Football Focus, which grades players on a scale of zero to one hundred, he was the second highest graded offensive lineman in terms of pass protection at West Virginia this past year behind only uh, a guard who was a transfer from Virginia Tech who graded out just higher and he would be the highest graded pass protecting offensive lineman for ECU if he played for the Pirates uh, as the Pirates really struggled to pass pro throughout the 2021 season the area he needs to work on is run blocking continuing to add strength continuing to perfect his technique in the run blocking game Again, going to his fourth year, so really entering the prime of his college career. Still has the ability to add some strength, but he's got good size, good feet, and you know he'll be a, I think, a guy who can step in and start right away as long as he comes in and works, and I have no reason to believe that he won't do that. So really exciting start for ECU and the transfer portal, and there are a few other guys who are scheduled to visit this weekend, who are visiting this weekend now, who could potentially jump on board as well. Then there's a number of other prospects that ECU's reached out to from the transfer portal as well that uh, we will talk about throughout the show. Now let's go ahead and dive into these questions because, again, we got a lot and we uh, we need to go ahead and hit them. Otherwise, this show will, will last forever. So let's start with uh, the Hoist of Colors message board and TJGFish321. He asks right off the bat, hints at what wide receiver we are going after in the portal, the kid from Western Michigan or Akron or anyone, just hints will do. So, uh, you know, the wide receiver position is interesting because I think if you look at the team needs, I personally would categorize it as offensive tackle or just offensive line in general, number two, edge rusher, and number three, wide receiver. Those are the top three needs. You don't need a lot of receivers. You need kind of that one, number one type of receiver to come in and really kind of complement what you already have along with some of the younger pieces to potentially take this offense to the next level. So offensive tackle starting to be addressed. you got another offensive lineman on campus this weekend in New Mexico transfer Cade Briggs. You also have an edge rushing prospect, Miles Jackson from UCLA, visiting this weekend. We talked about him on the message board. Uh, from what I've been able to gather, no confirmed receiver visit. You know, again, it's tough to get concrete info at times this year. But I know that at one point there was a receiver set to visit in Jaden Blue, the Temple transfer. It turns out from what I last heard that he did not make the trip or was not going to make the trip. So Jaden Blue is a guy that ECU's kind of talked with throughout the process. You know, Aaron Jarman, you've got that connection, the former Temple transfer who's now a tight end at East Carolina. So they've been working on Jaden Blue. They also had Emory Simmons in for a visit from North Carolina. He ended up committing to Indiana. Sources I talked to said he wanted to get out of his home state and get away kind of from everything that involved there. He, he was pretty successful in North Carolina but wanted to get out of state. And Indiana was actually the school he originally committed to out of high school. So uh, Pirates lose out there. You also had, uh, so you, you know, they made contact with a number of receivers. There's a kid from Michigan State who they made contact with. There's a couple other guys just who they've had some interest with. But right now, you know, we don't have any confirmed – top top guys i mean there's a ton of guys there they're in contact with right now and they're kind of filling out doing a lot of research and 
you know, if they're trying to hide somebody under the radar and sign them on Wednesday, you know, more power to them if they can pull that off. But obviously with the, the loss of Caleb Webb, he committed to Tennessee, and the decommitment from ECU, you really want a guy who can come in and, and, and play right away. You know, Brock Spalding, I think, could contribute right away, but he's more of a slot guy. You really want somebody who can come in on the perimeter and make a difference there. So uh, I think we'll, I'll be shocked if ECU does not add a receiver in the portal before this offseason is done. I mean, this is still very, very early in the process. And so I think we're still kind of in that range where they're trying to find the, the right fit, the right personality. You, you also want the right talent. Not only do you want that, but you also want the guys who are going to fit in with the locker room. You know, the ECU is at a good spot right now to where, you know, there's going to be some programs this offseason that take 15, 20 guys from the portal and try to really accelerate their building process that way. You know, really the roster has been built through high school and smart JUCO recruiting by Coach Houston staff. Now you're just trying to supplement guys from the portal in key spots to kind of help supplement the entire roster and take it to the next level and i think receiver will be one of those positions that that happens uh forever pirate pg he says which commits do you see contributing right away i.e uh future starters so a good question um i think much like this past recruiting class you're gonna see a lot of guys redshirt and develop that way you know as far as immediate contributions you always have, in my opinion, a chance to do that if you're a skilled position guy and because you're going to come in and those guys need development, of course, but if you're good enough, you can play. I mean, we saw that with Rajay Harris. We saw that with Keaton Mitchell. Marlon Gunn, the running back out of Louisiana, is a guy that I'm really high on. If they can keep him committed, you know, Coach Houston's actually going to see him on Friday night uh, to, to try and sure up that commitment. He visited Cal this past weekend. He's also got some other attention, so hopefully they can keep him committed. But he's a good enough player. He can come in and play right away and help with the running back position if needed. You know, the, the defensive tackles, J.D. Lampley, C.J. Mims, I think despite needing some development, could contribute right away. Brock Spalding is in that realm too as a receiver. Pretty polished for a high school guy. You got a ton of linemen who are going to need to redshirt and develop. Um, but I think the one guy that could play early is Ethan Lang at IMG Academy. He comes from a tremendous national power program. You know, pretty good body for a uh, high school guy. Interior lineman, which means he could play early. Center, typically, those guys can play earlier than, say, a tackle, which really need to develop in all sorts of ways. Zakai Barker is another linebacker who I think could contribute early although you're going to have some experience at that position. So those are the guys that kind of stand out to me just from watching film from the high school ranks. Obviously, the you know the transfer portal guys, the JUCO guys, those guys are going to be expected to play early special teams at minimum if you're a JUCO guy, and then the transfer portal guys are going to be expected to play. Uh, Pat72JG, he says, will you attend the signing day event? Uh, I'm not 100% sure right now. You know, Wednesday is a pretty loaded day for us in terms of coverage. I you know, a lot of it depends on what the media availability schedule looks like. If if it's a case where the press conference for Coach Houston on signing day kind of runs right into the signing day event, I'll probably hang around and do that. Um, if it's hours apart, you know, I'm not sure if I'll be able to make it. But I'm going to try to uh, make it and, you know, talk with some of you guys. Of course, we've got the big get-together in uh, Annapolis um, the night before the bowl game as well, which we'll talk about as we get closer to the bowl. 
but uh, I will I will try and make it but I cannot guarantee that I'll be there at that time but it looks like a pretty cool event and it's usually a pretty good gathering uh, for for pirate fans so definitely make it if you're in the area next question comes from Yakin he says think we'll see any surprises man that's uh that's always the the big question and and the the thing I struggle with with surprises is do you want to see surprises do you want to see surprises because yes they can be good or they can be bad you know you don't want anybody to decommit as a surprise but you also would like to maybe pick up a guy you're trying to flip as a surprise you know the one thing we've seen over the years is if you're trying to flip somebody it's usually kept pretty quiet leading in the signing day and we've seen that with a few offensive linemen I remember in particular Quincy McKinney flipped from Louisville to ECU on signing day morning Sean Bailey flip from Cincinnati to ECU as well right on signing day so those two two things were kept pretty much under wraps until signing day so there I think you know I, I think there's a chance for a surprise I know ECU's been working on at least one guy they're trying to flip you know maybe they've been working on another that I'm not aware of which is always a possibility as they try to keep those things quiet so another staff doesn't try and prevent that from happening but you know we'll see I, I think I think there's a chance. I think obviously there's a chance. I think there's a good chance we could see a surprise, and hopefully of the good variety. But you know, if I knew there was going to be a surprise, it wouldn't really be a surprise. So I'm guessing, but I think there's definitely a chance. Yeah, I can just based off some of the things I'm hearing uh, in the in the past few days. All right, we continue with our questions. Bobby Harward, who is a frequent guest of the podcast, I need to get him back on soon. But he just had his second child. I know he is busy. Uh, much like myself, it's hard to uh, to schedule these things when you're working from home and uh, playing daddy daycare at the same time. But uh, he's got a number of questions on the NIL and how it's affecting recruiting. And this is good stuff, you know, good questions, Bobby. I honestly don't know a ton off the top of my head. I've spoken with a few sources, and I'll share what I've gathered. But I'm, this is a good question that I can ask Coach Houston at the signing day press conference. Uh, he, he wants to know, with this being the first cycle with NIL in place, how have you seen this affect recruiting? Being that bigger schools have more notoriety, bigger brands, etc., have you heard of bigger Power 5 schools using NIL opportunities as a recruiting pitch against G5 schools and the lack of NIL options at a smaller school? School Caleb Webb comes to mind here. What has ECU done, if anything, to pitch NIL? So, again, great questions. Um, you know, I do know that a lot of the bigger schools are coming up with an NIL package, so to speak. I think it's really still a work in progress from what I gather, though. Like, before too long, there's going to be departments in the athletic department just for the NIL stuff, I believe. I think it's still kind of evolving. Uh, but I do know that there are some coaching staffs that have put together little packets for, hey, here's what our previous athletes have done. If you come to Tennessee or if you come to Alabama, here's your potential net worth based upon guys at your position previously, etc. And from sources I've talked to, ECU has kind of done the same in terms of, hey, you know, the guys at ECU aren't making a ton, but the one guy who is making good money right now and making some pretty good deals is Holt Naylor's. You know, last I heard, he is driving around a new truck. He's making some pretty good money off his NIL deal. So ECU is saying – Here's what our star quarterback is doing. If you reach a star level at ECU, here's the money you can make. So it is being talked about. It is being discussed. It is a. It is something that I think you have to 
pitch to athletes. Now you got to be reasonable with them too. You don't want to promise them the world and then them come to ECU and make five bucks off a um, soda pop deal at the local mini mart or whatever. So I mean, you got to you got to be realistic, but you also can sell. Hey, here's what can happen if you come here and you're an NFL caliber prospect. But I definitely think it's something you know. Power five schools consistently negatively recruit G five schools. I even I hate using that term because it's not even a real term. Power five is just a made up moniker. But anyways, it is a way to identify these schools or whatever. But I you know those schools are using that potential option. And you just look at some of the the quarterback deals that have been signed for NIL deals from Alabama, Ohio State, Texas, etc. And it's just crazy guys who aren't even playing. And those things are, are being agreed upon. And then you've also got some boosters at some schools guaranteeing, hey, all the offensive linemen that come here are going to make this much money from our endorsements. Um, it's it's crazy, man. And, and, you know, it's something that's still evolving. Again, I don't have many hard and fast answers for it right now. Bobby, I'll try to ask Coach Houston at the Sunday Day press conference how that's affected things. But I do know it's part of the package now at ECU in terms of recruiting but it's still evolving because it was the first year and because that that data, those numbers are still being gathered kind of by every school. So that's the best I have right now, but great questions, man. Uh, And I'll try to do more research on that and get back to you, maybe in some sort of written form article as well. All right, our next question comes from Pirate Backer. He says, "How how will this class impact our ability to get consistent pressure off the edge? Uh, good question, backer. So right now you got one guaranteed edge guy committed in Jamarion Franklin, and and I would say he probably needs a year or two at least to develop. So you know, long term, he's an addition there. Uh, Samuel Donka out of Fork Union is another guy who could play Sam or Edge. I personally think he'll grow into an Edge. Again, probably a year or two away of development in a college weight training program. So for me, it comes down to. If you're looking for short-term upgrades, it's got to come from the portal or the JUCO ranks. You know, they made a run at Nadami Tucker out of Hutchinson Community College. He is visiting Houston this weekend. He went to Arizona State. He went, I think, to Kansas. So he's gone a few different places. He's probably not coming to ECU. You got Miles Jackson coming from UCLA. He's a guy who could come in and make a potential immediate impact. And so I think you at least want to get a guy like Jackson, whether he commits or not we'll see but he would give you some serious upside in both the short and long term you know he's been in the UCLA program for two years now granted he he missed the first year with the knee injury but you know performed pretty good last year saw a decent amount of snaps should be able to come in and make an impact as a third year college player at ECU and so he would be a significant upgrade obviously if you can add another difference maker in that edge room you try and do that as well but at least getting Jackson would be a start and then you got Franklin and Donka as two long-term guys. So uh, that would give you three guys on the edge in a room that's pretty barren right now. I mean, you have some young guys in like Jeremy Lewis. Uh, you also move Eric Doctor over there. Chad Stevens came on strong at the end of the year. Emmanuel Hickman played pretty good defensive end. But you still got to continue to develop that position because right now it looks like, you know, Travion Freshwater was a miss. Jason Ramiro was a miss. I don't really know what's going on with Kareem Stinson. So you got some some question marks there that you really need to sure up. And I like Josiah Robinson, the Michigan State transfer as well, long-term. So you got some interesting pieces, but also could use a guy who can make that immediate impact, and, and maybe Miles Jackson is that guy. GSO Pirate, how much will our offensive line improve short-term and long-term in this recruiting cycle? You know, 
I think a, a lot, man. I think a lot because you look at this commitment list right now. You got you got four really solid offensive linemen. Jacob Sacra, highest rated O line commit to sign with ECU or projects to sign with ECU in some time. Uh, Ethan Lane coming from a powerhouse program, solid interior lineman, should be able to play relatively early. Uh, you know, a guy in Elijah Samples who probably a, needs some time to develop, but really athletic offensive lineman, projects to tackle. Amari Allen, a very physical interior offensive lineman, more of a road grader type. And then you got a guy who's a preferred walk-on commit in Josiah Henderson who has a chance to help as well. So you got a handful of guys right there. Then you add Parker Moore from West Virginia who's going to come in the short term and help you immediately at a major position of need at offensive tackle. So there you have another guy who's going to help you immediately. So uh, you got a guy visiting this weekend from New Mexico and Cade Briggs. And then you're also talking to a JUCO recruit uh, who is scheduled to visit this weekend as well. And so I think short term, you're at least trying to add two, if not three, offensive linemen from transfers. And then you got four guys for the long term. And so, and they're all solid. The film is solid. I mean, um, I, you know, again, you want to, I think most of these guys project interior. You know, Sacra, I think, more has the foot, the feet of an interior lineman, even though he's got the size of a tackle. We'll see how he develops. Lang, probably interior guy. Uh, Allen, an interior guy. But I think Samples for sure is a tackle. So, again, you want to add some length and athleticism at tackle through the portal, through the transfer route, if possible. But um, I think definitely this is a major, major step in the right direction. And last year, too, was a step in the right direction uh, for this offensive line class. And you just want to keep stacking good classes because you're going to lose guys to injury. You're going to lose guys to whatever. Got to keep stacking classes and making this thing move in the right direction. Keep developing guys. Get a few guys through the portal every year. That's, that's just the way to do it. You're always going to have to get some more talented guys as bounce backs, I think, through the portal to kind of supplement the guys you're developing. All right, our next question comes from S.E. Johnson. He says, who are the best recruiters on staff? So before the turnover of the staff, I would have said that, you know, this past offseason, um, Fontel Mons and Darrell Sims were two of your best recruiters, and both those guys moved on. Darrell getting a job with Louisville. For uh, you know, for just really having a standout career thus far, and then also Fontel Mines to Old Dominion due to a family reasons, and Fontel was man, he was an incredible recruiter. I think he just landed a four star for ODU the other day, but he uh, he really got after it. Was ranked in the top five of the American the last few years in recruiting, so I think he's definitely one of your one of your top recruiters in the past. And to lose him hurt, so you wanted to replace the loss of those guys with good recruiters. And I think ECU did that with the addition of Chris Foster, who was a recruiting coordinator at Georgia Southern. He's now got the recruiting coordinator title at ECU. Uh, he's landed, helped to land both running back commits, Nemo Squire and Chris Foster. That's uh, no, not Chris Foster, Marlon Gunn. And so Foster's done a good job immediately. And I think the further he gets into, he's also played a role with some of the other Georgia commits. So I think the further he gets into his his job here, the time here at ECU, the, the more he will improve in terms of making those connections. And I think you'll really see it jump in the 2013 class. Another guy I've heard tied to a lot of recruits this cycle is Latrell Scott. So, again, you bring in Chris Foster, you bring in Latrell Scott to replace 
Darrell Sims and Fontel Mons, respectively. So both those guys have done a really good job in their first years. And you don't get a handful of offensive line commits if Steve Shankwire is not a pretty damn good recruiter. And uh, Coach Shank, despite you know his age and, and being one of the older coaches in the American, he consistently knows how to connect with these young guys. And he, he really... Many of the offensive linemen look at him as a father figure, and he's done a good job of connecting with the offensive linemen ECU have recruited. And I think he's steadily been a solid recruiter since coming back to ECU. Uh, Trip Weaver, you know, not a ton of DBs this cycle. I think his um, he's about to land another one in Jordan Huff this weekend. But everybody that that Coach Weaver recruits, you know, he consistently is talking to those guys. Consistently has uh, ECU in the mix to land some big fish that he's after. So um, those are just a, a handful of the guys that stand out. But, I mean, there's no bad recruiter on staff. They're all solid. I mean, uh, Blake Carroll, for a defensive coordinator, recruits quite a bit. Donnie Kirkpatrick uses his connections as an OC. Uh, you just got several guys. You know, Tim Dallas has recruited well from everything I've heard. Steve Ellis with the corners has done well. So uh, I don't think there's a bad recruiter on staff. And in, in the past, I don't know if I could say that. For, for previous ECU staffs and different eras, but I think this is just a really solid staff, and now that you're actually seeing some winning to go along with the, what they're selling, you're going to see an uptick in recruiting, especially for the transfer portal, which we've already seen in the 2023 class as well. All right, we got a lot more questions to get to. Let's first take a quick break. We'll be back on the other side. You're listening to the Hoist the Colors pre-signing day podcast as we come down the stretch for National Sign of the Day for the 2022 class. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, welcome back into the Hoist of Colors podcast. We roll on with more questions from the Hoist of Colors message board, and we've got three from our good buddy, Berg Pirate. He says, number one, how many portal players do you think will sign next week? So if ECU does it like the past, like last year they announced the additions of DJ Ford and Ryan Jones as part of the signing class, I think for sure they'll announce Parker Moore. And hopefully, if you're East Carolina, you sign the two transfer portal guys who are here on campus this weekend in Kate Briggs and Miles Jackson, if everything goes according to plan, that would give you three. So three seems feasible. Um, they do have a walk-on commitment punter from Air Force, and so they may announce him as well. So you may see four. If there are any other walk-on transfers, you may see another one or two, but... I would think three or four based off what we have right now. 
Uh, number two, do you think we'll have any surprises from high school recruits next week? I'm not asking for names, but are we working on flipping some recruits? We kind of talked about that earlier. I do think there's a chance of a surprise. Would I guarantee it? No. But I do know ECU is working on flipping at least one guy. We'll see if it comes to fruition. Number three, all of our commitments are expected to sign next Wednesday, question marks. Uh, question mark. Uh, yeah, as of right now, I expect all the signees or all the commitments for the 2022 class to sign on Wednesday. I have not heard anything that leads me to believe otherwise. And again, if anything like that comes to fruition, then we will then we will see. Uh, then I'll update you guys. But I, as far as I know, I don't think that'll happen. Um, all right, 86, he says, will we ever get to a point where we can redshirt all of our true freshmen? This year, man. This year, ECU redshirted every single one of its uh, scholarship true freshmen from the 2021 class. And that is a uh, that is a stone-cold fact. And so that is now where this program is. And um, if that happens again in 2022, I don't know. But uh, I don't know if it'll... You know, it was a smaller class, and you brought in a number of transfers who play, but every every freshman from this past year's class redshirted. So I think that is the hope going forward for ECU with the roster at a point where it is now. Uh, do we Straw369 says, do we get a cool signing day Scotty Montgomery hype video? I'm going to say no, and please God no, and hell no. Those are my three answers. If you're wondering what we're referring to, check out the uh, just just YouTube search ECU Sign and Day 2016 if you want a few laughs. Uh, SC Johnson also requested uh, that I drop this podcast by Friday afternoon so he can make the drive to Disney World. Sorry, man, did not get that out in time. And um, yeah, sorry about that. Hopefully, maybe you can listen to it on the drive back. If this is still relevant, don't know, but we'll see. Uh, a few more questions here. Daytona Beach Pirate, he's got a he's got five questions. He says, since this is my first time doing this, I'll go big and ask a few questions. One, do you see us signing any major upgrades, instant starters on offense besides the offensive line? Uh, I think origi- I think eventually that EC will sign an impact receiver. Who that is, what school that person come from. Where he comes from, I don't know, but I do think you'll see ECU eventually sign an impact receiver. I just think this team right now, seven and five, clearly trending upward. So many pieces coming back. Why would you not want to join this offense if you're looking for a place to be an impact receiver? So I think that eventually happens. Other than that, I don't really see a need to sign an impact guy. Um, do you, as far as the offense, do you think his second question is, do you think adding better offensive linemen will open our playbook up to not quite be so conservative? Yeah, I think for sure that, you know, I said at the end of the season that ECU had to find a way to get more consistent offensively against some of the better defenses in the league. And to do that, you have to be able to pass protect against some of the better pass rushers in the league. And, you know, Houston's still going to be very good next year defensively. Cincinnati's going to be very good defensively. Uh, you know, other schools in the league, NC State, BYU, they're going to be damn good defensively. So you got to be able to block, and you got to be able to pass protect if you're going to throw the ball. If everybody wants to open up the offense and do all this stuff, that can only happen if you can protect your quarterback. And so 
Uh, I think adding better offensive linemen will add to that possibility for sure. Number three, besides Caleb Webb, do you think we lost, will lose any key recruiting battles this year? Mainly talking about high school players, but Portal 2, any big wins? Seems like we have a lot of momentum around the program that should help us. So Marlon Gunn's the one that you know I'm not 100% sure about going into the weekend. I do feel good that Coach Houston is going and visiting him tonight and has a chance to kind of wrap this thing up. Um, I think, you know, I feel good about it, but, you know, Marlon's a pretty quiet kid, and so I have not been able to get him on the phone and kind of really gauge him as we get closer to signing day. He's coming off an official visit to California, and there's some other schools involved there as well. Uh, You know, as far as losing any other key recruiting battles, UCF also hosted Cade Briggs on an official visit. I'm not sure where he stands there, but I do like the fact ECU is getting the final visit. Uh, you know, we saw Indiana beat ECU on Emory Simmons, the receiver from North Carolina. Indiana also just offered the Miles Jackson kid who's coming in this weekend. So it'll be interesting to see if Jackson tries to visit there or if he just it finishes up with ECU and then wants to make a decision after that. Uh, ECU much closer to home than uh, Indiana for him, who's a Georgia native, also much quite, uh, much uh, much warmer, I should say. Um, you know, Eric Gilliard's down to ECU, Bowling Green, and Kansas. That's an ECU and Kansas decision. And if I had to call it one way or the other, I like ECU's chances to land uh, Eric Gilliard. You actually asked that as your fifth question. So I would I would give ECU a 60 to 65% chance right now to, to land Eric Gilliard. Um but again, we'll keep you guys updated in the coming days. And then you, you've also got some some other guys. You know, you got the JUCO offensive lineman scheduled to visit this weekend, who's also looking at Memphis and Syracuse, Terrence McLean. And so, what happens there? So, you got a ton of battles going on, a ton of good battles, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens down the stretch. I do know the one thing ECU likes about Gilliard is they have been able to get to basically. Every member of the family, a lot of the family came down for his official visit for the Temple game, and then ECU's been able to go in-home visit with a lot of the family in the days to follow. So I think they like their chances there. Final question from Daytona Beach Pirate. He says, since we're talking about maybe up, maybe competing for a conference championship next year, have you heard or seen any of the legit contenders for the AAC making any major portal upgrades? Cincy, Houston, etc." So right now, just looking at the commitment list on the transfer portal commitment list, it's, again, it's very early in the process. This is something we'll know more by the end um, end of the week. But we know that Houston has added a commitment from a reserve Old Miss receiver, Bryce Johnson, and that Cincinnati has added a kicker commitment from Delaware. They really struggled at kicker this year. But those are really the only two pledges I see from those guys. UCF doesn't like they've struck in the portal quite yet. South Florida already has seven or eight commitments in the portal. So again, it looks like Jeff Scott's going to try and build that thing through the portal, which is worrisome. If I'm a South Florida fan, I don't think you want to build your program that way, but we'll see how that turns out. But those are, you know, again, I think once we hit December into December, January, I think I'll, I'll kind of do a recap of who, who really is making waves in the portal. Uh, from the AAC, but those are just a few of the the things we've seen already. Uh, You might see some more commitments in the next week or so. Uh, Jeep for Pirates, he says, if we do not 
pick up a proven deep threat receiver in the portal, who do you think might be the player that emerges outside of Josiah Hatfield? Because there must be some disconnect between he and DK unless it was more of an injury issue. So, you know, the Hatfield thing is interesting because we've heard the coaches kind of, I don't want to say challenge him, but they have referenced the fact he needs to be more consistent. We know health has been an issue with Josiah Hatfield, but it seems like for sure that his practice habits can be hit or miss at times. And if you don't practice well under the staff, you're not going to play. That's just the reality. And so I think that I think next year is crucial for him, man. I mean, at some point he's got to see the writing on the wall that he can't continue to do things inconsistently or he's just not going to see the consistent playing time. And being healthy is part of that. He's got to find a way to be durable. I mean, you, you can't play football if you're always hurt. You can't be a consistent factor if you're always hurt. So that's something that Josiah, whether that's preventable or not, I don't know, but that's something he's got to work on um, staying on the field because he's got the talent. He's proven it, man. He's had some monster performances. Other times he just just disappears. Uh, deep threat receivers on the roster, you know, you got some young guys who have athleticism and size like Taji Hudson and Tyler Savage. You know, do they have the speed to beat teams deep? I don't know, but they have kind of the size to more fit like a C.J. Johnson mold who can go up and get it and use their physicality maybe to make some big plays. Uh, Tyree Saunders, where does he fit in? Ray Rose, where does he fit in? You know, those guys have some solid speed and athleticism and, and decent size as well. Um, you know, Troy Lewis is a name that I'm intrigued to watch. Really big receiver. Made several plays on the scout team this year. 6'3", close to 200 pounds, solid speed. He could be a guy in time. Um, T.J. Lockley, built similarly to Jashai Hatfield, was a high school quarterback. Fast, good speed. He's transitioning from quarterback to receiver, so he's redshirted this year. He's developing. So you have several candidates. It's just who's going to be the guy. If any, who's going to step up and, and kind of take that next step? So you have several candidates. You would think a full offseason of development, somebody would be able to, to step into that role, if not multiple guys. But that's also why you want to go into the portal and maybe get an older guy that's already proven he can do it. That way you're not relying on freshman, second-year guys to definitely make that leap. So, yeah, I mean, that's how I feel about it. There are candidates, but until we see somebody go out and prove they can do it, it's going to be hard to know which one it is. But the good news is you do have some talent there. It's just a matter of those guys being developed and taking that next step. All right, let's hop over to Twitter real quick. And we got a handful of questions, and then we'll wrap up the show. Uh, Will Stone wants to know, will the Mariners sign any other splash players after the lockout? Will, first off, man, thanks you that – Thanks you. Thank you for asking about the Seattle Mariners on this podcast. We don't get the chance to discuss baseball enough, and I always enjoy a Mariners question because uh, I think, Will, now that you've come to ECU and you're working for ECU, you're, you are the only other Seattle Mariners fan in Greenville, North Carolina with me. Um, so we'll wrap them together. I think the Mariners will sign another splash player. For those who aren't aware, they did sign the reigning Cy Young Award winner, Robbie Ray to front line the rotation along with the great Marco Gonzalez uh, and, and Chris Flexen also returning after a standout year on the mound for the for the Mariners. So I, I think Seattle is going to close the deal with a position player. I, I think Chris Bryant or Trevor Story is going to be a Mariner and they will help supplement the lineup. 
Uh, Julio Rodriguez, people, remember the name. He's going to be a superstar. All right, that's enough Mariners talk. Hopefully people didn't log off. Uh, speaking of nonsense, Tarbura Bill has an inside joke question. If you're a Hoist of Colors member and you're on our message boards, you understand what I'm talking about here. He asks, when are you financing the reopening of Ham's? If anybody is familiar with Greenville, they know Ham's, the old restaurant downtown, used to be a great spot to eat. Somehow there was a thread about Eric Gilliard that got turned into a discussion about Ham's and Jamie Presley and Eric Gilliard, and we were debating all sorts of random crap. But uh, yeah, I think I'm like many that I would love to see a return of Ham's, the restaurant. And... Um, I personally cannot finance it at this time. Would love to uh, to to go from 1,100 subscribers like we are now in Hoisted Colors to maybe like 50,000, and then I can then I can finance the opening of Hams, and we can just call it Hoisted Colors at Hams. How about that? So maybe if we up our subscription total, we can do that. Uh, Richard on Twitter wants to know dumb question: When the players come on official visits, do they get dressed up in uniform and always do a photo shoot? Is that pretty standard across college football these days? Yeah, it actually is. I don't know when this became a thing like six, seven years ago. Whenever Instagram really started to get popular, uh, it's just it's just the thing to do now. Players want to come get cool pictures to share, want to get pictures of their family to share on Instagram, to share on Twitter. And this, you know, whatever school started, it was the first. And then everybody copied them to do like these professional photo shoots, professional edits and it's become a major part of recruitment. If you're not doing that on a visit, you're probably the only school that isn't taking advantage of that. Every kid wants to see themselves in a uniform um, and have something to share on social media. So, it, yeah, it, it's become something that's done across the country, basically at every every level. Uh, Dan is our final question of the night, and he says, I'd be interested in what you've seen slash heard in terms of transfer portal strategy. Do they monitor certain targets from the area on Power 5 teams that slide down on depth charts, track previously offered guys, just reactionary when checking the portal based on team needs? Uh, all of that kind of goes into it, Dan. Really, you know, ECU hired uh, Alan Gaudet, I think is his name. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he came over from Texas A&M, and his job basically is to watch the portal. And... You know, I've talked with Alan on a few occasions, and really good guy, um, smart, savvy football mind, and he's kind of monitoring the portal. And if if anybody at a position of need enters, they kind of do the initial homework and then pass them along to the coaching staff, the position coach, etc. If anybody from the area enters, same thing happens. Um, you you kind of assess all that stuff whether they were previously recruited or not. Like Jakari Caldwell, Mario Love kind of come, into, come to mind. Jakari Caldwell, receiver from South Carolina, initially committed to ECU, flipped from ECU to South Carolina, now is in the portal less than two years later. Is he, you know, he's probably talented enough to come to ECU, but does ECU have room for him at receiver? He's kind of an unknown. Do you really want to take a guy that passed you up the first time and you gave him ample opportunity to come here? I don't know. You know, uh, Mario Love, another guy from Huff High School, you know, probably under normal circumstances, ECU would find a way to take him, but isn't really a position of need right now. Probably isn't really an instant impact guy, even though ECU recruited him out of high school. He's a pretty high recruit. So 
all those things go into it. And I think ECU's roster is at a point now where you're pretty tight on scholarships. You really want to be 100% sure on a guy. You don't just want to take somebody because you recruited them out of high school and now they're coming back the second time around for you uh, or, or whatnot. So that's how it's being looked at. There is a strategy involved. There is really a, a almost a department or a person in charge of that on the support staff now, and it's that way at every school. So it's become a major part of recruiting, and I think we're now officially in transfer portal season. It's not really termed that officially yet, but I think December onward from now on, every offseason is going to be transfer portal season from December to the early part of January when you have – uh, kind of that lull between the end of the regular season and kind of the start of when everybody reports back the following year. So we're in that season. We're seeing ECU take advantage of it. I think also we'll eventually see several, maybe not several, but a handful of ECU players enter the portal as well, probably after the bowl game. Um, so it's inevitable. You're going to add some, you're going to lose some, and that's just part of college football now. But it definitely is a part of uh, ECU's recruiting efforts as well. All right, well, that's all the questions, guys. A ton to address and a ton to get to, uh, as always, as we head into Wednesday. Again, we've got a full write-up on hoistacolors.net of the big storylines heading into the weekend, what to look for, what to expect as ECU tries to wrap up the early part of the 2022 class, what the big needs are, who the players are, all that sort of stuff. Again, 50% off an annual subscription. Take advantage of that through Wednesday at midnight thank you guys for listening thank you guys for uh, asking the questions as always and uh, beyond most thank you guys the loyal subscribers that have been with us from the beginning those who have jumped on recently can't do this without you guys and uh, y'all make it all possible so appreciate the support means the world we will talk to you guys it looks like after signing day maybe a wednesday night early thursday morning to put a bow on this entire recruiting class uh, unless anything major happens between now and then. But we'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening. It's been the Hoist of Colors Podcast. Paramount Plus.